0: Welcome to the PromoCares radio podcast, where we share the stories about the good being done in the promotional products industry. From philanthropic efforts to cause marketing to giving programs, these are the people who are inspiring others to improve the world through promo. To learn more about PromoCares, visit PromoCares.org. Now on with today's show. Hello, Promo Cares Radio. This is your hostess, Carrie Cowden, calling. Uh, just want to say hi to everybody. Thank you for tuning in. We have a very special guest. I am so thrilled to have her, and we're going to have her on a couple times because she is just knowledge bombs after knowledge bombs will come from her, and I'm so excited that she's spending the time with us. So we have Denise Tashiro. From Fairware joining us. Welcome, to, welcome back to the podcast, really, right? Hey, thanks,
1: yeah. yeah cool. I did one a long time ago with uh, Roger and Jeremy Lott from Sandler. Yeah.
0: I think this was one of the first ones that, that Promo cares ever did. So you're mm-hmm. like, you're in from the beginning. So, um, Fairware, where are you guys located? And tell us a little bit about Fairware as a company.
1: Sure, we're based in Vancouver. That's where our head office is, but we now have an account manager in both Brooklyn and in Oakland in California, so... Going global. Multinational, yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations. (laughs) Um, In terms of the company, you know, we've been around for about 15 years, and we started really out of the gate with a focus on what we um, call ethical sourcing and sustainable products and sustainable business. So we've always had this focus. We've weathered all the trends um, in and out of you know, green products and sustainability. And uh, it's always been core to our mission and our mandate in our business.
0: That's awesome. And before we get too deep, I do have to ask the Promo Cares podcast question so we can get to know you and your your weirdness or your coolness we don't know so when you get to the airport you've checked through TSA you're getting ready to get onto the flight but you're not quite boarded what is your ritual or your process from there
1: um well, A, I'm really organized when I fly because I fly a lot, so I always have what I need at my at my fingertips. But generally, I'll be listening to music or I'll be listening to um, a podcast, although I've gotten a little sensitive because I missed a flight listening to music, literally rocking out, and they changed the gate, and I didn't listen, and oh. they are calling my name, and I couldn't hear them because I was like, Way, rocking out to some good music. Um, and the only reason I got home that night is because I had a whole bunch of Ben & Jerry's free pint <laughs> coupons, and I bribed the ticket agent with ben and jerry's ice cream and i got home
0: that night but generally i'm
1: listening to music
0: very nice what type of music do you like
1: um you know i'm i'm getting more influenced by my kids but right now i'm listening to a lot of um the beta band and cat powers and just kind of like indie you know I don't know, whatever. I'm pretty I like easy it. when it comes to music.
0: Yeah. That's very different than you normally would hear. So yeah, I like it a lot. All right. So let's get into it. So um, I wanted to invite Denise on here for the second and then third, fourth, fifth time, because uh, <laughs> the amount of knowledge that Denise has, uh, I heard her speak when we were at the PPI Expo, and she was on a panel that was um, facilitated by Paul Bellantone, president of PPI. And Danny Sermon was on the panel along with Jeremy Lott from Sandmar. Danny Rosen, who's the founder of Promo Cares. Um, and it was, I had two, sale, three salespeople with me and it was just very refreshing. And also um, there's a lot of information out there and it's hard to navigate through all of that along with all the products and the features and all the things that we have to do and then product safety and blah, 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 blah. But when it comes down to sustainability and making the world a better place, you guys are pretty dialed in on that. So we wanted to have you on to kind of just, just share your information and help us mm. all rise mm-hmm. to get into the sustainability mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. So I, I think for starters, you know, what I thought I'd do
1: is spend a little bit of time on on kind of what is it? And something that really floored me actually at that presentation as Paul Ballantone Googled corporate reso, social responsibility before the presentation and um, 212 million definitions came up. And right. I think that's part of the problem. It's really hard to wrap your, you know, wrap your arms around what this is and and then how you might execute in your business. So I thought I'd talk a little bit around. What I think it is, and, and I think what Fairware thinks it is, in terms of um, the promotional product industry and what we do, because I think I you know it, it, it's it's better to to apply it to our own industry. It'll get you further out of the gate faster. Um, and then I thought I might just chat a little bit about how to start. Like, what are some early wins or or areas to look at in your own company to to kind of bring this to the fore? And and the first thing I did want to start with is. I think you have to decide whether it's important to you and, um, you know, sustainability, ethical sourcing, corporate social responsibility. It's the kind of thing that, um, you need to come at it with a sense of, um, alignment with yourself personally, um, with your business and your brand. And it's kind of a hard thing to fake. And it's a, it's a, you can get into trouble in a hurry. Um, if you're going to hang your hat, you know, on a trend in any trend, um, and so, I think it's important to just understand. Do you want to do this? Is this important to you? Is it important to your staff? Do you think there's a role your business can play? And if you can say yes to that, then I think go for it because our industry needs more people contemplating these issues. So, okay. so with that, I'll, I'll start a little bit on the on the definition side. And and you know, you mentioned that we're a certified B Corp, which stands mm-hmm. for Benefit Corporation, and the B Corp framework is a third party um, certification. Um, body that essentially kind of kicks the tires on brands that say that they're great corporate citizens to ensure that you are and in the framework they use there's, there's sort of four buckets and it's customers communities workers and environment and and it gets very detailed very fast in terms of how you um, show up and live your values in those in those areas but I think I think more relevant for the promotional product space is actually there's kind of five buckets. And, and you mentioned a couple at the beginning, you know, um, product responsibility is a really big, bucket that's relevant material to our industry social compliance how workers are treated in the supply chain is a really important aspect of our business because of what we do Um, the give back uh, community impact so philanthropy community engagement community impact is obviously a a big bucket those are the those are the three i think that our industry is doing a fair bit on has invested a lot in and there's some tools and resources that you can access to start moving down that road The other two buckets that i'd say don't get talked a lot about in our industry are kind of your operational impact like what what are you doing around the environment either um you know all along your supply chain or in your community or in your own business and we don't talk a lot about diversity and inclusion and when i look at the brands that i admire and when i look at the trends around you know what i'll call sustainable business um that kind of environmental impact and diversity inclusion are uh are a pretty big focus in a way that I don't always see in our industry. So those are the five buckets: social compliance, product responsibility, kind of that give back community impact um bucket, and then your environmental impact and diversity and inclusion. So, you know, that's a great way to start um assessing what you're doing as a brand. Um So, you know, I I don't know if you have any comments on that or do you see, is there anything kind of missing that you guys think about in in your organization or you're hearing other folks talk about, or does that framework of of those things make sense to you?
0: I think the framework makes sense. It's still, even when you list the five buckets, I think there's a lot of gray area within the five buckets.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think our industry is really good at give back and there's all kinds of rah, rah rah around the events that give back and increase give back. Yeah, yeah. All the pyramids are geared towards that, but then um social responsibility or social compliance like what what you, yeah. do you how do you define that
1: Sure. And and so maybe I'll go through and just do some high notes on each of those buckets. So product responsibility, which I think has been the anchor of this conversation in our industry um, for really probably a couple of decades, if not a decade and a half. Really what you're looking for there is are you working with suppliers? Are the products you're bringing to market and selling, do they meet product safety standards in the country that you're selling them with? And I would say that you'd, you'd assume that products coming to market in the U.S. or Canada would meet regulatory frameworks in both of our countries. But I would argue that that actually is still somewhat aspirational in our industry. And it's not uncommon for us to find a new supplier, a lot of whom are small scale, don't have a lot of capacity, don't have compliance staff, you know, they've just found a great product and maybe they're importing it and bringing it to market. Um, not all those folks have what they need to safely sell their products. So I think that's a really good starting point. And there is a product uh, responsibility toolkit on um, the PPAI website. There's a um, kind of a a turbo test um, audit that you can do that we use a fair bit where you put the product in, the intended use for the product, and it tells you whether there's any testing that needs to be done. And then you can go back to your suppliers and say, hey, you know, I'm selling, um, you know, crayons and coloring packs and, you know, a plastic toy to kids for an event activation for a client. Should I have any product safety testing on this and that that test will um will kind of tell you yes you should and then you can go back to your supplier and say hey do you have this testing um so that's kind of a good you know it's probably the most robust framework or most robust set of tools that that uh, exist in the industry is around product product responsibility but really it's just asking um your suppliers, what they're doing. And and sometimes we just will simply look on supplier pages at the about us, or we'll look under general info, or we'll look for compliance. And you can tell in a hurry, if there's nothing on the website that touches on any of that, they're probably not a fair, a very sophisticated supplier in that, in that space. But if there's a bucket that says, you know, compliance, or if you can download a compliance report, that tells you a lot about the management systems that that supplier might have to support that. So, that's kind of some thoughts on product responsibility. And you can almost take everything I just said and Pull it over to the social compliance story. And what we mean when we talk about social compliance is do the suppliers we work with have the management systems, codes of conducts, and frameworks in place to ensure the factories where they're getting product meet international labor standards? And I think that's an important point. Um, kind of thing to describe is, what what do you mean by an international labor standard? standard? There's actually a set of standards that have been set by the International Labor Organization um, that define things like what is a child worker or what is excessive overtime. And they're kind of country agnostic. um, And as a general rule, most countries are setting their labor laws to align with the ILO kind of core convention on worker rights. And I think an important distinction is, you know, we might talk about, uh, you know, making sure um, workers are meeting minimum wage requirements in a particular country or getting paid for overtime in an accurate way. It's against that markets labor standards. So, we're not saying, are your workers in a manufacturing facility in Vietnam getting paid what workers are getting paid, you know, in the Bronx at one of our manufacturers. We're asking, are they meeting legally mandated standards in the country of manufacture? So, that's really what we're getting at. It's like kind of, um, you know, detailed analysis and, and, and sense of, are you working with factories that are treating their workers well? Which means they're not breaking the law. And that's that's really what that is. There's also great toolkits on PPAI on that category of um, of corporate responsibility. And there's some tool good toolkits like any distributor can learn about the PPAI code of conduct, which which reflects those international standards and, and can sign on to that. So that's what we're getting at when we talk about social compliance. I think the muddiest is is that give back space and the community impact space. So for some some people it might mean donating to a local charity, um, so a philanthropic play. Um, that might be donating um, uh, merchandise samples. That we all have our kind of piles of shame in terms of our sample rooms, <laughs> and you know, old styles that aren't, aren't you know aren't, aren't relevant anymore. We probably I would guess we donate between 10 and $15,000 worth of merchandise a year to three core charities. So one is a a youth homeless shelter, um, an agency working with, you know, youth at risk. One is a homeless street soccer team. Um, You'll see a theme. This is the, um, that's kind of an important um, issue area for us in our community. Um, And the third is um, newcomers and refugee uh, agencies. So we'll, you know, We have a whole system in the back. Our team gets involved and we go through every year, if not a couple times a year, all of our samples, especially on the apparel side, especially on things that um, we might roll into an agency where youth are trying to get jobs and, you know, a nice polo, a briefcase, a notebook, a pen would go a long way in a job interview for someone who might not have access to that. So that's an example of like philanthropy or if you don't have money to write a check, it's like there's a lot we can do with the merchandise that we have have. Other examples in there are um, working with suppliers whom as part of their business are giving back to their community. So you're seeing a lot of products, um, for example, at um, the PCNA group has come out, um, leads bullet with 1% for the Planet product line. Um, Mir, which is a brand that uh, Gemline is repping, is a social enterprise where as part of their business mission and mandate, they're um, providing resources and uh, money for programs around water uh globally so there's there's that that give back philanthropy piece i think that's really about what is your community impact or can you choose suppliers who have a strong community impact or philanthropic um Um, program so that's kind of what we mean by that and I think sometimes folks feel like I'm too small or I don't have enough money or I haven't been profitable for a couple years but there's a lot you can do in that case Um, another element of the community impact piece that is often overlooked is employee volunteerism so we let everyone in our organization take one day off a year paid to volunteer in the community and we also have um, three staff members who work um, as volunteer board members on a homeless um, soccer charity. And then Sarah, my co-founder and I both contribute a lot of hours to um, collective groups within the B Corp movement. Sarah's working on um, diversity and inclusion initiatives within that community. And I've been working on climate policy and climate um Climate organizing within that that community. So, so that's sometimes an overlooked element of what you can do. Um, is there a way as a team you could do some volunteerism if um, if if you don't have another way to engage in in kind of community impact? The two other things that that um, you know I can give some examples about is is you know on the environmental side there's a lot of low-hanging fruit um you can look at your recycling programs could you do in-house composting which is it was often a big part of your waste stream can you provide bike parking could you do an energy audit often there's grants from local cities or um, states or provinces where you can get funding to actually have someone come in and help identify where you can save energy could you do a workshop on teaching everyone to turn off their computers at the end of the night, turn the lights off. Sometimes it's so simple, but those little things really add up in terms of um, all of our impacts. Um, purchasing and procurement in your office, who are you buying from? What are you buying? Are you buying recycled paper? We have our printer defaulted to double side. Um, again, a lot of little wins in terms of your in-house internal operations. It's often, you know, I'll get into this in a minute, but it's often a great first start is to look at what you're doing on the inside um, before you start talking about or trying to do it on the outside so to speak and and that's the framing that Sarah and I use a lot is what is our internal um, kind of commitment to sustainability and then what's our external it's like inside the company outside the walls of the company and 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 that's how we kind of think about What we do um, and how we do it, and then the final piece is around diversity and inclusion. And I think there has been some work on this in the industry. I think a lot of large-scale buyers are looking for minority-owned businesses, so there's a a business opportunity. I think in this um, in this area, because I think for a lot of folks, uh, it's something they're looking for. But we look at it in terms of how can we make sure that our team and our business is running in a in a way that is inclusive to all. All. And that might be around doing a renovation and making sure that we did it to be accessible um, so that anybody can come into our business and whether they're, you know, walking in or rolling in, they can access meeting rooms, things like that, that, that people might not think of. Um, celebrating multiple holidays. Um, so, you know, what are the holidays we speak? What are the languages we speak? And how do we celebrate that as a team to make everybody feel welcome? That's something, again, that you can really bring to the client, your client base, and say, "Oh, you want to do a holiday campaign? Are you sure you're getting it right for your for your employee base or your client base? Like, what are the holidays that they celebrate?" Um, so, you know, the big one for us that we've been thinking about is how do we show up in the world in our own marketing, and how are our suppliers showing up? And I think, in particular, in Canada, I think the U.S. is is um, a little bit further ahead of this, but. Racially diverse photography, like showing our countries in all of their glory. And you know, it's it's pretty easy to pick up a, a catalog and go through all of the photography and every photo's you know, a white guy or a white gal or, you know, but it's like, who, who, who are our countries, who are our clients, who are our employees? And are we seeing them in our own marketing material and supplier and product um, photography? So that's kind of an easy one as well. And something you can engage in your supply chain on and, and might just help you show up a little bit differently uh, in the client space. So there's some like kind of quick tips or like a little bit of a deeper dive under those buckets and how it might um, kind of activate or show up in your, in your own promotional products company.
0: That is awesome. And I love how you said, it doesn't matter how big or small you are. You gave, I mean, my pencils out of lead. I, I couldn't even write, write down fast enough all the things that we can be doing and and even those tiniest steps. And I think sometimes, and especially in going through this promo cares podcast journey for myself, I hear all of this. And then I hear people getting, you know, upset, not upset, but just they're passionate about, well, you're greenwashing or you're doing this, or you're doing this. But in reality, like, good intention that's what we need and start taking steps in that good intention and it will start snowballing for you yeah, yeah but doing nothing at all is not an option anymore we all have to be aware of this
1: yeah and i and i think for a lot of folks you know all here all oh, my clients aren't asking for it and you know maybe maybe i'll kind of pivot to like you know, what are some questions you can ask or what are some starting points? And And I think one of the key things is just do a huddle with your team. And that might just be you or that might be three people or two people or six people or 60 people, whatever it is, do a huddle and say, what are we doing? And so you you might find out that your admin assistant has been ordering recycled paper without you knowing it or stocking, you know, getting organic milk for the coffee machine without you knowing it. Um, A good win is like your courier company. A lot of cities in North America have courier companies that are running their business with hybrids and or e-vehicles. And that's that's a shift we've been able to make as a company where we we use our local courier company whom has a deep, deep commitment to climate and um, um, policy and they run their entire fleet off a of hybrid. So, so, you know, what are you doing? What are the spends that you have under your control, whether it's your catering for a once a month um, staff lunch or whatever it might be, and how might you be able to pivot that? And, and one of the first questions is just getting your team together and saying, what are we doing? And write it down. And and you might be surprised at what you're doing. And looking at all on one list, like oh we yeah we do donate our you know old sample gear to the local charity. Um, write it all down, and then talk about are there gaps? Are there some easy wins um, that we can do? And then you can take that question and and bring it to your client base and say, "What are you guys doing? Is this important to you? Are you doing anything?" Hey, we're trying. We're thinking about changing our lights to more energy efficient lights. Have you done that in your office? It's another conversation point that can um, connect you up uh, to your clients. And and I'd say again, the kind of hidden opportunity. Is around for us, like staff engagement. We know that people come to us and apply to jobs, and stay with us. And often, at below market rates, um, you know, a salesperson in the tech industry in Vancouver is going to make more than a salesperson in the in the promo industry in Vancouver. But they come to us because of our values, and they stay with us because of their values, and they tell us that. So, I can't think of an interview we've done for a staff person that hasn't within the first few minutes um having the candidate reflect our uh, mission vision and values as the reason that they applied for the job so it's a it's a huge opportunity especially as millennials are moving into the workforce um into the buying um kind of profile it's it's a pretty key piece. And I think if you don't understand how to connect with clients and suppliers on these value-based conversations, you're going to, you're going to be missing uh, kind of the opportunity of the future.
0: And uh, differentiating yourself in the marketplace for employees and all of that. And yeah. I, when, when we heard you um, speak in January, you, you talked about, you know, saying no to your clients and, and in, the, in the case of, you know, sales, which is really the bottom line, what we're all in yeah. it for and yeah. doing it as, as well as we can. Uh, and mm-hmm. you had talked about someone requesting something that was, you talked about your mission and your values and it didn't match up. And you mm-hmm. said no. And we just recently did that. A salesperson came to me, but okay. that's what they're doing. This is what they're asking for. And I was like, oh my gosh, like it's right here. And as a team, we decided we're a no-go for it. And I emailed the procurement head and I said, FYI, I want to give you some feedback because we did get in to this RFP request under diversity because we're a women-owned business and I said we couldn't in our right minds looking at your values and your mission towards sustainability and ours they don't you're not asking for the right thing and so we decided to do a no-go for this RFP but in the future please grant us an audience because we would love to work with you to talk to you about this and what you just ordered is against everything that you're saying that you are doing and let Mm -hmm. us help you and work together and partner. So hopefully, you know, as we go on, we'll, you know, bring more money and, and, you know, a relationship and partnership, but it's a, it's pretty cool what can happen actually.
1: <laughs> I, you know, I think, I think it is. And, and, you know, we kind of have two ways we approach that. One is giving people feedback on products that we think are not a fit um, for the world. Like we literally just like the world doesn't need another stress right. ball. Right. The world doesn't need a fidget spinner. Um, and there might be very specific applications for those, but um, they're few and far between. And, and, you know, when you have those conversations, I think people are, are, um, they recognize that you're, you're an advisor, not a transactional um, order taker. And we talk about that all day long in our industry about how do we get to that place where people see the value add. And I think, I think that's a really clear way to do it. Um, you know, we have categories that we don't sell to, um, and you know, it is hard to, it is hard to, um, it's hard to communicate and say no it's it's actually not super hard for us to say no we say no to oil and gas is kind of our blanket um statement um it's pretty awkward if you're at an event like i'm often at sustainability events and there's people from oil and gas companies there and they want to chit chat and we're like yeah no that's great but no no we wouldn't work with they're like oh we should connect you with our buyers we're like no that's okay Um, it's um (coughs) and, and that's a good fit for us but i think sometimes it gets really nuanced like you know we have a you know a um a big uh, you know kind of global company in the tech space who you know has been you know chatting with us and and yeah they have kind of a you know checkered track record in the community and and it's interesting because it's coming up with our sales reps and you know the last place we want to be is judging who's good and who's bad you know i think everyone wants to be on the journey we've made we've made decisions around oil and gas um, for both moral reasons, but also strategic business reasons. Our core client base are, also have positions against, for example, pipelines in our country. Um, and we know what side of the bread are, you know, is buttered and right. by whom. Exactly. Right? So we're working right. with NGOs. We're working with brands like Mountain Co-op and Patagonia who are funding those campaigns against those initiatives. And those are, that's who we work for. Um, And it just happens to align with our own personal values around the kind of future, you know, a climate friendly future. And, and so that's been an easy one, but it gets pretty nuanced pretty fast. And um, it's, uh, you know, but it's, it's, it's great. And I think it really builds cohesion amongst a team. Um, I think people, you know, come in a little earlier and stay a little later or work a little harder or dig a little deeper when they're doing so in pursuit of purpose and not just profits, it's as simple as that, so and that's what we found in in our company.
0: Well, awesome. So this is first of a few different podcasts we're going to do with Denise because she has such knowledge and history in this world, and uh, even though product safety has been at the forefront of our industry, there's a lot more that we can do as a whole. And so I, I hope that you will join us again, and I thank you, Denise, for your time today, and I look forward to our next recording.:
1: Awesome, thanks so much, Carrie.